this last week I was meeting with uh, Darren and Brooke, and, and Brooke asked me this question. She said, you know, Darren's been giving this message on the kingdom, and he's not going to be here this Sunday, and I was going to preach, but would you come clean up whatever he's messed up? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. I'm kidding. Uh, she didn't ask that, but they did ask if I would come do this kingdom message. And, and I love what you just said. You know, worship is so many different ways. One is through singing. One is through giving. And, and when we take the offering, it reminds me of a story one time. It, it was this pilot. He had his own private plane, and they were flying over some islands, and he had a friend with him. And all of a sudden, the engine went out. But he was a good pilot, and he was able to land the plane safely, but they did have a crash landing. And when it did, it destroyed all the communication equipment. It was completely destroyed. And as they crawled out of the plane and realized that there was no way to communicate, they were on this deserted island, his friend reached up and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he said, be calm. It's going to be okay. He said, no, pay attention. No communication. Deserted island. What are we going to do? He goes, look, it's going to be okay. Just calm down. And he reached up and he grabbed him by the shirt and he said, you aren't listening. We are lost. We will never be found. And the pilot said, look, just calm down for a minute. He said, look, I go to church, I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe. Do you think my pastor will ever stop looking for us? So, <laughs> so we're good with that. But today, we want to talk about some kingdom thinking. So how do we shift from church thinking to kingdom thinking? Well, one of those is, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a scripture here that uh, I actually share with people don't do what I'm about to do. And I say, don't start when you're reading the Bible don't start with a connector word and don't finish reading when the next word is a connector word like therefore for thus because many times the message is in the next part it's not where you stopped but I'm actually going to do something I teach against and I'm going to tell you what I think Paul was talking about from my perspective in Romans 11 and I believe he was talking about the reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles so let's just call that racial reconciliation, two people groups. And I'm pretty sure that's what he was teaching us on. And then he said, therefore. Now, a lot of people teach on Romans 12 too, but I want to start with 12.1. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God not doing what he could do, but he does something else for you, to offer your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true improper worship now we come to church and we worship through song we worship through teaching we worship through giving but look what he says our whole body this is a this is a mind shift everything we do is worship our emails are worship how we drive our cars worship Oop, I shouldn't have said that one how we drive our car is worship okay how we treat our spouses how we treat our children how we treat our co-workers our employees our next-door neighbors everything is worship think of Think of it that way and watch what happens. And then he says, so, you ready? Change the way you think. Have a renewing of the mind so that you can know the perfect, acceptable, pleasing will of God. You know, they told you my name is Ford Taylor. I was born and raised in Paris, Texas. I went to school at Texas A&M. When I was a senior, I met this beautiful young lady who was 17 who graduated from high school a year early. And she was a freshman. We got married when she was a junior, and so I stayed around College Station, Texas, and worked at a sporting goods store. And after she graduated in May of 82, we had the opportunity to take over a bankrupt company. And God blessed us over that time, and 
that company became very successful and very large, which ended up having us bring our corporate office to Cincinnati, Ohio. But before we brought that office here, a man who claimed to be a believer commuted here for 23 months from Texas. That's not a good thing to do. And during that time, I was unfaithful to my wife because my mind got transformed in the wrong direction. But see, I'm married to an angel. I knew she was going to leave me when I confessed it to her. But instead of leaving me, she let me see what the unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness looks like. She said, of course I forgive you. We'll get through this. Because my wife understood something I didn't understand. She understood covenant. She understood forgiveness. She understood love at a level that I didn't understand. So on the outside, I looked pretty good. I was at the top of all the trade journals. Number one in our industry in America. Full of pride, but also full of complete insecurity in who I was. Because I said one thing and did something else. So honey, thank you. She's online today. We're supposed to drive to Texas and we're leaving right after this. But thank you for the love and forgiveness you showed me. I now know that the pain that I caused her, the pain I caused me, the pain I caused other families, I don't ever want to do that again. And so I want a continual transformation of the mind in the right direction. And by doing that, realizing that everything I do is worship. Now, in all those good successes in business and those failures, personally, we had three beautiful daughters, Whitney, who's 30, Emily, who's 27, and Quincy, who's 25, and a son now who's married to Whitney, who's also 30. His name is Mark. But I want us to think, our, think about our shift just for a moment. What if we approached everyday life that everything we do is worship? What might our impact be? Because that's what Paul says. And then, and then Jesus goes on and he tells us, you know, about spreading the, spreading the gospel and making disciples of nations. See, I have this theory. We've been making Christians for almost 2,000 years, and we spent very little time making disciples. And so our mind has to shift. We have to change the way we think if we're going to impact the world by making disciples. Because he didn't say make a disciple. He said make disciples of nations. You know, I get, he said I get to travel the world, and, and I do. And what God has given me is something called transformational leadership. I had no idea so much of my success was because the things I was doing were biblical until I asked my pastor. I took the training to him. I said, by any chance, is any of this in the Bible? And he looked at it, and he said, why do you ask? I said, because it works everywhere. It works in businesses. It works in families. It's amazing what happened in my family, what I started applying in my family, what I applied in business. It works in government offices and classrooms. And he brought it back to me. He said, you have no idea what you have here. I said, so it's in there? He said, yeah. I said, where? And he said, go find it yourself. And I started studying closer, and I started realizing the intentionality of the words of Jesus, how intentional he was so often when he said, make disciples of nations. But see, he said, spread the gospel, and sometimes use words. But look what he says first. He says, first... Seek the kingdom of God. Now, in Greek, the word righteousness and justice is the same word very often. So I want us to think of it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his justice and righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. He talks about preaching the kingdom. Spread the gospel. Preach the kingdom. Think about that. Preach the kingdom. 
Signs, miracles, and wonders will follow. Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. How many of us, that's our common lifestyle? That's the norm. Miracles follow us around. If you want miracles to follow you around, you ready? Change the way you think. Realize everything is worship. Spread the gospel. Make disciples. Preach the kingdom. And watch what will happen. You will start being the miracle in someone else's life. That's what will happen. So let's talk about why is that not happening. Okay, well, number one, we are told to make disciples. The problem with making disciples, it's the same root word as discipline. Now, most of us don't understand the difference between discipline and punishment. And since we don't understand that difference, we struggle with discipline. But look at the definition of discipline. It's training to elicit a certain pattern of behavior. It's not punishment at all. See, punishment is about me hurting you. Discipline is about me helping you. It's about me training you. It's training our children. It's training our employees. So now we have this thing that we do TL and we travel the world. It's full of the gospel, but there's not one scripture in it. Why? Because we can give people biblical kingdom principles without even telling them that Jesus is the Son of God. And guess what happens? Where did this come from? This is great. Where did you find this? Do you really want to know? Boom. Now we can tell them the rest of the story. See, so we're out making disciples even before sometimes we give them the gospel. Now, I know that's a crazy way of thinking, but that's a mind shift. Why? Because everything we do is worship. So let's talk about some of the intentionalities that Jesus did that I think sometimes we miss. There's some words he used. So discipline, elicit a certain pattern of behavior. So here's a word that he used that was not a religious word. And that word is apostle. That was not a normal word. It was a Greek word that the Romans adopted. Okay, and it's used almost 200 times in the New Testament. But Jesus used a word that he could have used priest, he could have used king, he could have used judge, he could have used a Hebrew religious word. He didn't do that. He used a Greek secular word, apostle. So what was an apostle? Well, when Rome went out and took over another city, that headship was called the apostle. And then what they found out is they would take over the city, they would go back home, and the city would revert back to old behavior and looked nothing like Rome. So the emperor would send an apostle, a government leader, and he would take with him, you ready, educators, architects, business people. He would take them with him, and he would put the Roman culture into that new city. That's what an apostle does. But see, he didn't, Jesus himself used a secular word to let us know that we are disciples who are apostles, that we go into the workplace, we go into our homes, we go into the classroom, and we take this culture and we permeate that culture with our culture. But see, because we're mainly preaching to Christians in here, and we call this the church, but see, Jesus didn't even use that word. 115 times he used a different word, and 112 times it was exactly the same word. And, it, and, and, and one of the times that most of us would, would realize is one day he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, who do people say I am? 
Well, duh. Well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You are Jesus Christ. And Jesus looks at him and says, Paul, the Father must have given you that. He must have revealed that to you. And he said, Peter, God must have given that to you. And he looked at him, he goes, Peter, based on that, I want you to hear this, I will build my ecclesia. I want you to hear that. I will build my ecclesia. Another Greek word that Rome used to go out to the cities that they permeated. You ready? And they gave the ecclesia, that's us, governmental authority to go into those cities and be the culture that Rome wanted there. Can you hear that? We are the ecclesia. We come into this building to get taught, trained, and equipped. You ready? To make disciples, to be apostles. I want you to hear this. To be the ecclesia because we have governmental authority to take our culture into everything we do. You ready? Therefore, if I have that culture in my home, if I have it in my business, you ready? That's the culture, and I want the king to come into my culture and feel good about it. You ready? Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. How cool is that? How comfortable would the king be right now if he came into your home? How comfortable would he be if he came into your business or into your classroom? Would he see a disciple maker who's an apostle being governmental authority with this culture out there in the world? And he was very intentional about those words. He could have used church. He could have used synagogue. He could have used temple. He didn't. He used a Greek word, ecclesia. So when we leave here today, we're going to have a mind shift. We're going to be the kingdom. We're going to be the ecclesia. This is the local training ground where we come together, which we should do. I love to come together for corporate singing. I love to come together for corporate office. Love to come together for corporate preaching and teaching. But that's not the ecclesia. We are the ecclesia. Think about it. And think about the difference. So what keeps that from happening? Okay, well, number one, we have to renew the mind. We have to, you ready? Change the way we think. So here's what happens. We all, we all have this way of thinking, right? We're in a box. This is how I think. And, and I'm going to change something, right? That's what we do. I can do this. I can do this. And we get outside the box. We have new knowledge, right? We have new information. And I'm going to think outside the box. And then it gets uncomfortable. What happens? What do we do? We crawl back in the box. We don't just go back in. We crawl back in. And we spend most of our lives getting new knowledge. I can change, and we crawl back in the box. Let me share something with you. 24 hours from now, most, way over 95% of us, have the ability to remember about 5% of what I'm going to say today. Isn't that interesting? So if I say something today that really impacts you, here's my encouragement to you. Write it down. I'm going to try to do some things that's a little bit beyond saying, a little audio-visual, that helps. Okay, I'm going to maybe do some demonstration. But let me tell you something. If there's something that impacts you, write it down, focus on it, go teach somebody else. You have a 90% chance of remembering it. I want you to hear that. 
If you go practice it, you have a 75% chance of remembering it. But what happens is we get outside the box, it gets uncomfortable, we crawl back in. We're going to shift today. We're going to make the decision we're not going to crawl back in when it gets uncomfortable. Because it's going to get uncomfortable out there. We're the ecclesia, especially now. We should have done this 100 years ago. We wouldn't be here where we are now. But you've got a fight on your hands. And I'm going to show you how to fight it. But you've got to get beyond the box. You've got to get so far beyond the box that when it gets uncomfortable, you've already made the decision before you leave the box, you're not going to crawl back in. That's kingdom thinking. I am not going to go back. And you can't do it alone. Because apostles, you ready? They went in groups of two or three. Isn't that interesting? They went in groups. Why does Jesus say? Two or three are gathered. Because apostolic, we go together. So when we do come up against the battle, we as apostles in the ecclesia, we can withstand it. And then you get so far beyond the box, you have a complete shift in your way you're thinking. I call that bubble jumping. If you come to the training next month, I'll explain that more. So don't conform to the patterns of this world. Why? Let all you do be worshipped. Why? Then you'll understand the perfect, accessible, pleasing will of God. So what did Jesus tell us is the number one thing in the world? What is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord God emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm just going to put it in today's words. He took Hebrew words and he put them in Greek words. I'm going to take some of those Greek words and put them in English. Okay? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and flesh. And if you know people with Greek, you can ask them and check me on this. But my Greek scholars tell me that the word is actually, the second is equal to the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. I have this theory, we do love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and there lies the problem. We truly do not understand how much God loves us. We just don't get it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here have children? If you have children, raise your hand. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to picture one of your children in your mind. Just get them in your mind. Can you do that for me? Just get them pictured. Now, if you don't have children, how many of you have someone in your life that if you knew they were going to die, you would take their place? Raise your hand if you have someone like that. Picture them in your mind. If you don't have someone like that, hopefully after this message you'll go find someone like that. Now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to picture the person that you have in your mind, especially your child. Have you got them pictured? Please keep your eyes closed. Picture this child. Here's your child, and they've done nothing wrong. And they're standing before a judge. And people are spitting on your child. They take out a whip, and they rip your child's back to shreds. 39 times. I want you to imagine this is your child. You ready? They take a metal crown of thorns and they shove it in your child's head. And the judge says, hey, what are y'all doing? This, this child's done nothing wrong. But everybody around saying, hang your child. Hang your child. And all of a sudden, they free somebody else and they, they put this thing that looks like a cross on your child's back and they walk up this road and they take your child and they take one hand and they put it out on this piece of wood and they take this thing that we call a nail. And just so you'll know, their nails had no tip. It was blunt. And they take that nail and they put it through the palm of your child's hand. 
And they take the other hand and they put it out there and they put that nail. Then they take your child's legs and they tie them together and they put one foot on top of the other and they take another nail and they put it right where the middle where the foot comes together with the leg. And your child's bleeding and they're in anguish. And the next thing you see is they take this cross and they let it drop in a hole with your child hanging on these nails. I want you to know something. The Father himself could have done that for you. But that wouldn't have been enough of expression of his love. He loves you so much that he didn't even do it himself. He did it with his son. That's how much you're loved. And when we understand how much we're loved and how much we're forgiven, we will make disciples who are apostles who become the ecclesia. So let's talk about, if you will, open your eyes. Because how many of us would die for our children? All of us. But God said, I love you even more than that. What does that mean? Loving ourselves means that we feel forgiven. How do you feel forgiven? You ready? Simple formula. Guys, I've held a gun in my hand. I've been to the bridge of the river. I've taken antidepressants, anxiety medicine. You pick a medicine, I was on it almost. <laughs> Liver, colon, until I, I, I learned this secret. It's all about forgiveness. I'm going to show you something uh, called dependent events. And a, a dependent event means if this happens, then this can happen. I'm just going to give you a quick one. You ready? And if some of you are Old Testament scholars, so I'm going to go to the Old Testament real quick, and it says this. You'll hear it a lot. It says, if, dependent event, my people who are called by my name. Guys, go study God's name. It's been removed out of the Bible over 7,000 times and replaced with Lord, God, Christ. Can you, do you all know that his name is not Christ? His name is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Say it. Use it. He said, if you're known by my name, the Father is Adonai, Yahweh. I mean, there's lots of names of the Father. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the sanctified, set us apart. Learn the names of the Father and the Son. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and get to know me, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers. Listen, I will forgive their sins and then I will heal their land. He goes on and says, and I will reside in that temple forever. And every prayer heard out of that temple will be answered. Well, let's go to one of the New Testaments, okay? I'm going to give you this thing I call the best-kept secret in Christianity, forgiveness. Why is it a secret? Because this is how Jesus said to pray. Can we pray this together? Let's just do it. Something happens in the room when we pray the way Jesus tells us to pray. Let's do it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
Come on, let's keep going. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just You can look this up yourself. Jesus didn't say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I don't have time to give you the whole history, but you can look it up. He didn't say it. It got added in the 300s. It was not in the original text. And when it did, it hid the best kept secret in Christianity. Now, I want you to know there's words, debt, trespasses, and sin, they're used interchangeably. So I'm going to use the word sin here just for a moment, okay? Could have used a version that said sin, but I want you to look right where it says, Father, forgive me my sin as much as I forgive those who sinned against me. Can you hear that? That's what he said. Pray like this. But look what he actually says next. He did not say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Look what he says next. He says, for if you forgive those who sin against you, the heavenly Father will forgive your sin. But, dependent event, if you do not forgive others, you will never feel forgiven. It's not going to happen. You will always live in shame. You will always live in fear. You will always live in guilt. Come on, guys. Look at that. Listen Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. God wants us to learn to receive his forgiveness, to forgive each other, and ultimately, to forgive ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves if we're holding against other people. The rope of unforgiveness hangs the unforgiver. So it's hard to go out, you ready, and be the apostle, be the spreader of love and forgiveness if we don't feel loved and feel forgiven. Because that's the gospel we're supposed to spread. That's the thing that's intoxicating to non-believers. Because then we're freedom. See, I had to forgive the woman that sexually abused me when I was a kid. I had to forgive her. Until I forgave her, guess what? My lifestyle wasn't going to change. Guys, I am not blaming her for what I did to my wife. I'm just telling you, it sent me down a road that I did not understand. But until I forgave her, I was always going to be either a woman hater or a woman pleaser. As my wife says, honey, you are definitely not a woman hater. But I had to forgive her. I want you to hear this. When we forgive, we feel forgiven. When we feel forgiven, we can be vulnerable and we can be transparent. Because our faith is in God, not in what man might think or say. And that is intoxicating. When prime ministers are asking you to come train their parliament and their cabinet because there's something intoxicating that they want them to get. And they know what it is. But you can do it in a way that everybody else doesn't know when you show up. And then all of a sudden you're training Muslims. And they're going, where did you find this stuff? Because it's intoxicating. Love and forgiveness is intoxicating to people. So let's talk about a kingdom perspective. One part of the kingdom is the local church. We're going to call that faith communities. That is one part of the kingdom. But look at, look at all the other parts of the kingdom. Business, education, government, families, communities, media, arts and entertainment. Now, some of those, when you go to two miles up in the mountains of Ethiopia, some of those aren't the top seven or eight. So I put other out there because all of us may have something a little bit different. But look what God says to do in the kingdom. He says, pray and fast. 
without recognition. He says, have a personal transformation. That means make disciples. But first, you go. Anybody know who George Barna is? George Barna does a lot of research. Go look it up. He and I were speaking to, at the same event one time, and, and he shared, he's been doing research forever, that 6% of the body of Jesus Christ has a biblical worldview on the Bible. You know what biblical worldview means? It says do it, we do it. It says if this, then this, we go do the if. We don't try to figure out what it means. 6% and only 3% have had a personal transformation before the Father. They're not the same person that they were. 3%. Why? We have to change the way we think so our heart can change. Change the thought, change the feeling, change the behavior. Keep thinking the way we've always thought. Keep acting the way we've always acted. We keep behaving the way we've always behaved. We're going to keep getting the same results we've always gotten. That's called insanity. Change the way we think. What does he say? He says evangelize, spread the gospel. What is that? That's the love, forgiveness of Jesus. It's peace, patience, hope, and joy, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, mercy, grace, humility, meekness. God's power, his honor, his authority, his glory oozing out through the ecclesia into the world called the kingdom. Mercy, sanctity, and dignity of life. See, the, the media, the government has us split in the church over justice issues and righteousness issues. And it's the same word when Jesus used it. Is that crazy? See, it's not abortion or adoption. It's both. It's us being the body. Guys, the government's not the answer. The local church's not the answer. The business is not the answer. Arts and entertainment's not the answer. Media's not the answer. The ecclesia is the answer. But we have to permeate those parts of the kingdom. And when we have influence in those parts of the kingdom, guess what? They lose their influence over us. But we have no influence, and I'll show you why in a minute, Okay. Uh, mercy ministries, feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, taking care of the orphans and widows, reconciling relationships, there's five of them, us and God, men and women, employee and employer, that's master and slave, it's parents and children, it's Jews and Gentiles, that's racial. I want you to hear what God says. When you do these things, you ready? His glory will shine in your city. His glory will shine on your nation. Now, I want you to look here. Individually, you do these things. Guess what? His glory will shine through you. It will shine through you. Have you ever been asked, what's that presence around you by someone in a restaurant? If you haven't, you ought to be. If someone's not asking you, why do you love me so much when I treat you this way? How can you forgive me after the way I've treated you? Yes, I love that question. Because now I can tell them. Because we are the ecclesia. So let's talk about why that is. Did you know that everything we communicate as individuals, I want you to hear this, is 55% through our body language. That's through our behavior. It's 38% through our tone of voice. It's 7% through our actual words. Now think of us, we're all the body of Christ, if, if you're a believer, and we're going to talk to those that aren't in a moment. But if you're a believer, you are a part of the body. So here we are, all of us, here's the body. 
93% of everything we communicate is through our collective body language and our collective tone of voice, and only 7% is through our words. And you're over there, you're not a believer, and you're looking at the body, would you believe? Find Jesus, find peace, lose your fear, don't gossip, take care of the orphans, take care of the widows, feed the hungry, house the homeless, reconcile skin colors, cultures, races, would you believe? So if you happen to be here today or if you're watching online and you're not a believer, on behalf of many, many thousands that have given me their permission to say this, I say to you that we make mistakes. We say find Jesus and find peace and we take as many antidepressants and anxiety medications as you do. We have I love Jesus on our bumper stickers on our cars and our road rage is just as bad as yours is. Our divorce rate in many cities is equal to or higher than yours. We scream and yell at each other on the way home from church after lifting our hands and praising Jesus just before that. We pray with our employees and an hour later we're screaming at them. And I'm telling you we are wrong. And on behalf of those that allow me to represent them, I am sorry. And I hope that maybe you could find a place in your heart to forgive us. And that our behavior would not keep you from really knowing and experience who Jesus is. And I give you permission to hold me and we have a team of apostles. We have a team of leaders that go across the world and we train on leadership, on making leaders that can make leaders. And I give you permission to hold our team accountable when you see us behaving in a way that's counter to what we teach. And you will, because we're these things called humans. And as long as we're humans, we're going to make those mistakes. But I would ask you to open your heart to just maybe what you've not been open to. It might be because of me. It might be because of those around you. And if you could forgive us for a moment and give Jesus a chance, just maybe through the power of the Spirit of God, the breath of His Spirit, you might experience something. So I ask you to hold on for a minute. Just ask yourself, could I forgive for a moment? Because what happens, we as believers, uh-oh, we as believers, if we want to see transformation in our communities, it has to start with us first. And if we can become what I call a transformational leader, we can become a transformational discipler. And if we can become a transformational discipler, we can be an apostle as the ecclesia that knows how to go out and be unconditionally loving, unconditionally forgiving, and we can be dangerously transparent and dangerously vulnerable. And people will say, I want that kind of freedom. I want to be free like that person is free. I have some Jewish friends that I ask them, why is it that you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah? You are God's chosen people. And here's the answer. 
because our word, what we call the Old Testament, as Christians, says that when the Messiah comes, he will heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And we see no signs that your Messiah has come. Some of those same people have come to me, have been in our home, and they have said, you, you and Sandra, you are causing us to reconsider. It's time that we, as the ecclesia, that we cause people to reconsider. But we have to let the living God the power of his spirit oozed through us. So let's summarize. Number one, we have to change the way we think. Number two, we have to understand, okay, that we are loved. We have to be able to forgive to feel forgiven. And when we do, we aren't just preaching the message. We're sharing the gospel. We become disciples that make disciples that make disciples because we're using a Greek word that we have governmental authority wherever it is we live, work, or play, to spread peace, patience, hope, and joy, those things that we believe in, and to permeate that culture within which we are out doing that. And then what happens? We quit getting influenced by political parties. We quit letting the media take advantage of us. For all of you that say the black people are letting media take advantage of them, I got news for you. So are you. Okay? You're letting them keep us divided right down the middle when 80% of us agree on the same stuff on that chart. Yet we can hardly stay at the table and talk to each other. So how many here wants to be a disciple that's an apostle that becomes the ecclesia and permeates society? That's what I want to see happen. Praise God. Thank you for that. I'm going to call that a commitment that raise your hand. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our online audience, and I'm going to ask the power of his spirit. Because people ask me, how do you lead people to Jesus? I don't. The power of the spirit shows people who Jesus is, and Jesus shows people the Father. And then I'm going to pray over us, and, and I'm going to pray a prayer covenant. If you're interested in this prayer covenant at the end, uh, you can go to an online, theprayercovenant.org. One of my spiritual fathers wrote that years ago, and now it's going all over the world. But if you want to see it, it's, it's life-changing. But if I pray something for us that you don't want, just under your breath, say to God, no, God, not me, not right now. I'm not ready. I'm telling you because he answers this prayer. And if you do do the prayer covenant, don't do it alone. Do it apostolically, a group of two or three. Do it together because it, it ain't going to be fun. You got it? I mean, it, it, it'll hurt. So, Father, right now, I ask that you would send the breath of your spirit to anybody online or anybody in this room, that, that they would have no choice, that the weight of your glory would fall on them right now, that they would, for the first time, see the very presence of Jesus. They would sense it in their body. They would sense it in their mind, their spirit. They would know that today was the day that you had chosen for them to see something, hear something that's different and that the breath of your spirit would reveal right now your son to them.
Father, thank you for those of us that are believers in this room or online. Thank you for making each one of us one of your dearly loved children. Jesus, be the Lord of our life today in new ways. Reveal the fullness of your majesty at the Father's right hand. Honor and glorify yourself by living in and through each one of us. Change us any way you want. Wash us clean of every sin. Fill us with the power of your Spirit. Keep us from evil that we would not cause pain to each other or to others. Give us the courage to be humble, the humility to be courageous, that we would be walking, breathing instruments of your love and grace, mercy and truth, justice and righteousness, self-control. Give us an insatiable thirst, an uncontrollable hunger for you, your word, and your ways. Fill us with your wisdom, discernment, knowledge, and understanding. Jesus, that we would be the answer to your prayer, that we could walk together as one, show others how to walk together as one. And the world would know and believe that the Father sent you and that you sent us. And as we go out of here this week, Jesus, that each one of us would be the answer to someone else's prayer. That we could be the miracle that you use in someone's life to bring them to your son, draw them closer to you, that we could be your hands, your feet, your words, your look, your touch, your money, that they would know that you heard their prayer. They may have said, if you're real, do this. Father, let me be the one that does that. Let this group be the answer. Let us be the apostles that become the disciples, that we are the ecclesia. And Jesus, as we lay our heads down tonight and we go to bed, that somehow, some way, we might be just a little bit more like you than we were this morning when we woke up. And tomorrow morning, wake up a little bit more like you than we were tonight. And Father, as the people in this congregation, as they move towards unity in their marriages, their families, their workplaces, that you always put things in motion, that you would command your blessing in every way, emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, that you would command your blessing on their lives. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's Word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.